what about freedom of expression? Do you have that here? I run a tight ship here. I don't know how they did things back in Rhode Island, but high school students respect the rules. Welcome to the Graveyard Slot, where we talk about movies past their prime time. Here, we revisit old favorites with a fresh perspective to see if they deserve more credit or if they should stay buried. I'm Sohini. And I'm Sarah, and today we're talking about Lemonade Mouth, our second movie for DCOM Summer. Yeah! <laughs> Based on a book by Mark Peter Hughes, Lemonade Mouth chronicles the start of a band made up of five teenagers formed <laughs> under the unjust rule of a tyrannical principal. <laughs> It was released in 2011, directed by Patricia Riggin, who is a film and TV director known for The 33 and Under the Same Moon, and written by April Blair, who is the creator of the show All-American and has written for many others, such as Wednesday, You, Heart of Dixie, and a little-known movie called Monte Carlo. Oh no. <laughs> it's all falling into place. <laughs> So we are discussing this movie today, despite it having an 80% rating on Rotten Tomatoes, which I was pretty surprised by, not because I think it should be higher, but <laughs> personally, I was surprised that it earned a rating that high. <laughs> well, I actually also didn't think much of this movie when it first came out. I think I was just too old for it, or just like, I guess, too old for a decom at that point. So I didn't think much of it. And I actually, I don't know how, but I listened to the music before I watched it. And the songs for like the opposing band really left a bad taste in my mouth, <laughs> as it would anyone, I'd imagine. And so it gave me this really specific perception of the movie. But then later on, I actually did watch the movie and I was pleasantly surprised so maybe that has to do with like my low expectations but I think it's solid so I guess that's also why we're discussing it to see why our differing opinions formed yeah but you've never I had I'd seen it once or twice but it was pretty innocuous it wasn't a super bad movie in my mind but it wasn't one that I cared to remember about either so, I don't know, I took it personally when I saw the Rotten Tomatoes rating. <laughs> that is our entire podcast, just taking stuff personally. <laughs> so, I have taken it upon myself to prove that Lemonade Mouth isn't necessarily one of the standout Disney Channel movies, the way people seem to think it is or are under the impression that it is. And in fact, I might go so far as to say that it's somewhere near the league of Radio Rebel. <laughs> I am insulted by this. I've never even seen Radio Rebel. <laughs> But actually, you know, a review that I found that kind of hits on both our points is one from Film Threat, and it reads, For a Disney Channel original, you'll have fun with Lemonade Mouth, and you could definitely do a lot worse. They agree with me. It could be worse, but it could be better. I mean, I agree with that. It's also why a lot of people think of it so fondly, because it's like you just expect something very bad, I guess. You're like, it was so heartwarming when people realized it wasn't as bad as they thought, and that's why they formed a bond with this movie. That is exactly it. I think that's my thesis statement for this episode. <laughs> okay, that's fair. One review that I found was from Common Sense Media. And it reads, Beside the social themes, there are plenty that relate to family life and the movie's message about honest communication between parents and kids is impossible to miss. I do agree that the movie does have some great social themes, which isn't necessarily the case for a lot of Disney movies. So I'll give it that. But I guess my problem is that if you're gonna do it, you might as well do it well. And I don't think the movie explores any of these themes 
to any great effect. Like, it's not done with any kind of depth. It's all very superficial. And that's why it kind of leaves me a bit bitter because I can imagine how much better it could have been. That's a good point. I think also, I always forget the end when I was rewatching it. I had the exact same reaction because I feel like they do a pretty decent job of setting up an environment and and a narrative to explore this theme but then they kind of drop it at the end and i'm like well what was the point of this whole fucking movie then god damn it i think you're you're turning (laughs) me around i think you're changing my mind i'm gonna end this episode hating lemonade mouth (sighs) okay i gotta stay with these moments when i can still think of it fondly enjoy them like that last can of lemonade before the machine gets removed (laughs) we'll just jump into it we cannot (laughs) delay the inevitable So, as usual, we will be discussing this movie chronologically, and we start with the opening, which is voiceover from Olivia. She's talking about the band Lemonade Mouth, and she talks about Lemonade Mouth being called poets and geniuses and revolutionaries. (laughs) And I guess I had always assumed this is like way, way, way into the future, where the story that we do get about their formation kind of lays the groundwork for a band that could be called all of these things, you know, a band who maybe gets really political you know whatever but then we do find out later i think we are to understand that it hasn't been that long like only less than a year or something and it it just completely (laughs) ruins this beginning for me because like who is calling you guys that (laughs) yeah see because they say that they have been called all these things but they don't specify by whom (laughs) so it could very well be when yeah the timeline of the story is confusing it's really hard to tell how much time is passing between each scene because there's this one point where one of the characters Mo has broken up with her boyfriend and when he tries to get back together with her she's like I'm not the same girl I was two months ago yeah that's <laughs> what I, I realized like, it's been two months and also it's only been two months (laughs) somehow it was too much and too little at the same time and yeah with the implication that it hasn't been very long at all since they've achieved this enormous amount of success i think it kind of diminishes the scope of their achievements and it also perpetuates this typical idea that the earlier we achieve success in life the better and it's more valid if you do it at a younger age and also with everything they were talking about earlier Stella specifically about wanting to be remembered and the way she phrased it about wanting to be remembered in high school (laughs) the ending with them achieving worldwide fame I assume or at least countrywide fame doesn't really I don't know. There's some kind of disconnect between the two. It feels very vague. Because she doesn't talk about, I want to change the world. I want everyone to know our name. I want to create a ripple of change for people. She's like, I don't want to be another face in the yearbook. (laughs) And then they end by playing a concert at Madison Square Garden. (laughs) It doesn't track. Yeah. In regards to the time passing, I think I agree with you, but in the opposite way. Like, just the way the story goes, it actually, to me, it communicates a really long passage of time. And then they say shit, like, it's been two months. And I'm like, it's only (laughs) been two months. There's something about the rhythm of this movie and the scenes where it feels like this ebb and flow. And to me, that suggests a really long stretch of time. And we're kind of like getting little peaks into how things have changed but then we find out that it's a much shorter length of time and that is like whiplash to me (laughs) so it's like it felt to me like they already circumvented this problem but then they just choose to bring it 
back. Part of it is also like they want the movie to end with these kids still being kids. And like, I guess for like the casting or whatever, but like, I think you would buy them as adults. Like, just pretend that the last scene is like 10 years later or 20 years later or whatever. Like, like it's fine. Disney has adults, or not just Disney, but any so many TV shows have adults playing kids all the time. I think we'll be fine <laughs> if a couple of teenagers pretend to be, you know, at least young adults in their 20s. It's not like they have to convince us they're 50. <laughs> But yeah, anyway, the length of time covered in this movie is, I think, a big con for me. It's confusing, to say the very least. But yeah, we, we have to move on. Yes. <laughs> we actually rewind to how they all meet, and it's in detention. And we get introduced to all of these characters. So one of the characters is Stella, who is new at the school. And we kind of get to know the school and its environment through her. And she's struggling with this move because she didn't want to move and and the first thing we learn about her is that she's wearing this t-shirt that says question authority and the principal makes her cover it up yeah we learned that she's somewhat of a rebel basically yeah that is fucked up that he's like you're not allowed to wear that because it says question authority a dress code aside I think it is especially sinister that the principal makes her cover this t-shirt that's encouraging people to question authority because he is established as somewhat of a tyrannical figure I think you said <laughs> in the intro we can see throughout the movie that he is running somewhat of a tight ship in the school he's very steadfast in his double standards I would say because he is allowing certain kinds of behavior when it comes to some people but the same thing is discouraged in other people so I guess he is a manifestation of the kinds of unfair treatment that Lemonade Mouth is supposed to be opposing mm -hmm. it's very Matilda of him you're right very mistrunchable yeah it's interesting to me that the first clash against authority we see is between Stella and the school principal but the front man of the band ends up being Olivia to me it would make more sense if Stella were the front man that's a good point I think it's because it wouldn't serve her character because she would still be able to play this role of the one that's most outspoken against the principal in her role as it is. Whereas for Olivia, it serves her character's journey in, you know, fighting her stage fright and everything. I suppose. I guess I would be more convinced if we saw just more character development on Olivia's part. Like, I understand she overcomes her stage fright, but it happens very quickly. <laughs> so... So everyone is actually dropped off by their family members and Olivia's the only one who isn't. She's biking to school and she's a bit of a loner and she eats lunch in the janitor's closet which she gets detention for. And I don't know why she got detention for that. What, what rule is she breaking? I don't think she's breaking any. It occurred to me that it could be the principal just on a power trip. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. The thing where he gives Olivia detention for being in the janitor's closet for me speaks a lot about the way he runs his school like he said he's on a power trip but also it's this thing where like he wants everything to look very specific and Olivia you know being in the janitor's closet it's not a matter of safety or you know infringing on anybody it's literally just because it's not the way that he likes his school to look 
she's not supposed to be there no matter what she's doing even though it's completely harmless she's not supposed to be there so it's wrong that's his uh, reaction I guess yeah so next up is when we first meet him when his dad is driving him to school and on the way they're dropping off his dad's girlfriend Sydney <laughs> and when basically doesn't like Sydney in the beginning I didn't know what to think of it but as we learn more and more about when and his father it's like I am in the camp of like when is being a bit of a baby but also I think the problem isn't like Sydney it's like the dad's way of handling this relationship yeah I definitely think the dad could be doing a lot more he just springs these things on when out of the blue and expects him to be okay with it and I understand that he's not okay with it and in a way I think this kind of situation is the case for most of our main characters in this movie where their parents don't necessarily have bad intentions but they are forcing one thing or another on their kids and all they have to do is just listen which is the <laughs> lesson they learn at the end I guess out of nowhere yeah so another one of our characters who does struggle with this is Charlie whose parents seem to put his brother up on a pedestal and his brother is off in college and he was a soccer star and Charlie's not really into all of that but he still tries to fill his brother's shoes and he goes to soccer tryouts and he fails but yeah also he has a crush on Mo yeah the last character in the band most struggles because her dad is really strict and he's already got all these ideas about what her future should be and doesn't really give her the freedom to make her own decisions and so basically Mo ends up hiding who she really is from most people because at home she can't reveal her hobbies and her interests and even the fact that she has a boyfriend and at school uh, she has to hide from her boyfriend until she can put on a cooler outfit or uh, <laughs> until she can put on some makeup so that he doesn't realize how strict her family is. Yeah, and this boyfriend is one of the popular guys. He's one of the athletes. Yeah, he plays soccer. He's in a band. He's got that hair. haircut. <laughs> <laughs> and the band's name is Mudslide Crush, which I find <laughs> so funny. The boyfriend actually convinces Mo to ditch school, but they get caught by the principal. And while he gets let off the hook, Mo is put in detention. Do you spot a double standard anywhere? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so clearly there's some preferential treatment for the athletes. And we see this in more explicit terms when they actually go to detention and it's all the way in the basement. Yeah, along with all the clubs in the school. <laughs> Every single one except anything sports related. So they're in detention and Charlie's there because he hit the coach with a soccer ball. Wen is there because he yelled in class because Sydney showed up to bring him something. So all of our five future band members are in detention with the music teacher supervising them. We get introduced to this area where all the clubs are in the basement as the underground. <laughs> And I thought that was so funny because it was kind of reminiscent of something like the Hunger Games where the rebels are hiding out against the authoritarian power. <laughs> yeah. And I was surprised by how many clubs there are in the basement. It's like everything you could imagine. They have it. It's pretty cool. It is really cool. And I know they are stuck in the basement, but still it seems like they have it pretty good. 
down there. They have equipment. They have anything they need for their clubs. And I guess just to hammer home the point that they are supposed to be neglected. I wish there had been a line or something about how they had to bring their own things from home or how maybe some of the teachers are providing the equipment rather than the school. Yeah. And actually, before this, we had seen that basically the principal is selling out to corporations or specifically this sports drink. And, you know, the music teacher also complains about this while they're in the music room and basically sets the kids to work to clean. I suppose it is indicative of how it must have been for the other clubs as well because the music teacher sets the kids to set about cleaning the room and making it a bit more presentable, which I suppose we can assume is also what happened with the other clubs. True, true. So one of the big characteristics actually of the basement area the underground if you will (laughs) is that they have a lemonade machine called mel's lemonade i genuinely love this thread (laughs) Mm, me too the design of the actual machine is so specific and it's this bright yellow dispenser and it's a little old it's always glowing it's a little like magic yeah (laughs) And at first I didn't think much of it. I just thought of it as a really fun thread. But then watching this movie with like my brain on, (laughs) I'm kind of upset that they didn't do enough with it. Like the way it's presented and the way it comes in in a later point in the movie, I feel like it should have been a thread of magical realism. They should have played into it harder because it is there. I don't think this is coming out of nowhere that I'm thinking of the lemonade as magic and i mean that stands for something you know because of the way they treat this lemonade it almost feels to me like there was a cut of the movie where that is the case where the magical realism is so much more present i can definitely see the magical realism because like you said the lemonade machine does glow all the time i was almost expecting to see a halo around it yeah and it's like it's old and it's seemingly forgotten by the actual administration so like how is it getting filled up How is it getting stocked? You're right. So that's why I'm like, it's magic. I feel like that must be true in the narrative. We just kind of didn't have time for it or something. Or like they chose to go in a different direction. That's interesting. There are interesting possibilities in that direction. As it is, I guess it functions as somewhat of a uniting thread between our ragtag group of five. (laughs) They each grab a lemonade from this machine before they get to detention. And then, of course, later on, this inspires their band name. And when Olivia has struggles with stage fright, they give her lemonade to calm her down. So I do like that it's a recurring presence throughout the movie. And especially in a crucial moment, which we can talk about later, I really like that the crucial moment centers around this lemonade and everyone uniting around this lemonade machine so as it is i think it's great but you're right they could have definitely taken it further and added a little bit more whimsy to it (laughs) yeah the characters don't have to acknowledge it i'm saying like the camera should like the narrative should yeah just like a lingering shot of the lemonade machine yeah my favorite thing though about the lemonade thing is stella's lemonade belt it's like a tool belt but for the lemonades (laughs) i think that's like my ring of keys moment I see the point you're making. (laughs) So during this detention, fueled by magic lemonade, they sing together. Yes, it's a totally improvised song. (laughs) (laughs) But the music teacher 
Jenny. <laughs> she actually hears them and starts encouraging them to compete in Rising Star, which is a music competition. They say talent competition, which is funny because the winner gets a recording deal. So what <laughs> if you win doing something like, I don't know, juggling? juggling. Oh my god, I can't believe that the same example. And then you have a recording deal. <laughs> I mean, I'd buy that record. It's like um, recordings of stand-up, but it's just juggling. So you can't see me right now, but I am juggling 40 knives. Trust me. <laughs> but yeah, basically, they shut down this idea. But later on, Stella kind of gathers them again and tells them that she's already signed them up for a rising star and to perform at the Halloween Bash, which is like, Stella, you cannot just do that. She's not like, hey, let's do it. Come on, we can't. She says, I've already signed us up. <laughs> It is a bit too far that she not only signed them up for Rising Star, but also for the upcoming Halloween bash as a way for them to get experience performing on stage. If I were one of them, I would be so pissed off. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Just because like, I already said no. And instead of respecting it, first of all, if you have to try and convince me, at least come up with a good reason before committing us to it. And then we can't back out. She's heading in the principal's direction. It's not, <laughs> it's not looking good <laughs> yeah before they've even officially formed the band she's already pushing them around and deciding for them so can you imagine how it would be once they actually decided to do it yeah i mean we can see this in their practice Stella kind of leads the band towards a direction that she likes and not necessarily one that fits for all of the members of the band. But they work through it, I guess. Yeah, they automatically. And I think this is one of the main problems I have with this movie, that they set up these issues that are resolved so quickly <laughs> that nothing feels like it's an imminent threat or a really big issue because everything is solved within minutes of the problem being introduced, basically. Because it's like in one scene, they're all pretty much against the idea of forming a band. In the next scene, they all agree. And Olivia is nervous about performing. In the next scene, she's fine. And it's like, it doesn't make me invested in the story because I know anything they introduce is going to be fine. <laughs> and I guess the ease with which it happens kind of just makes it seem like it's not a big deal. Even if it is a big deal, it's like they've solved it in five minutes, so it's not that bad. I'm realizing now that that may be where the comfort factor comes in for me for this movie. <laughs> Everything has such low stakes, while they say that it has high stakes. Yeah. You think it's high stakes and there are these ups and downs, but the movie itself and the way it's presented to us is so low energy that you don't have to feel like discomfort, you know, you don't have to feel scared, you don't have to feel sad, and it's just comforting. Meanwhile, while your brain thinks that it's being challenged and I'm realizing that may be what it is with this movie because like as we go through I'm like I don't I don't have anything like nice to say why do I like this so much I can totally understand that being a comfort factor if you don't want to watch something that is like emotionally taxing or it has really huge highs and lows then this is the perfect mediocre flat movie you can turn to and you know what this is where I'll bring in my first comparison with Radio Rebel because the protagonist of Radio Rebel has a similar problem to Olivia's in that she is really shy and she struggles with speaking up in front of people she struggles 
struggles with this issue throughout the movie. And by the time you get to the end of the story, it's like there was a purpose to everything happening because she comes out of the whole situation more confident in herself. And I'm saying it's all still pretty stereotypical, I guess, in some ways. It's, you know, typical Disney movie stuff. But at least they afford the character the space to face this challenge and have it be a problem before they solve it. <laughs> With Olivia, it's barely introduced before she's already performing on stage. That is point one of why. <laughs> well, I was going to say why Ready Rebel is better than Lemonade, but let's not get carried away. <laughs> but yeah, the next scene is Mo's boyfriend's concert. Yeah. <laughs> Mudslide Crush has a gig <laughs> and you have to be there. So this is actually like one of my favorite gags in the movie. My number one favorite gag of the movie is the principal, this comical character. And my second favorite is Mudslide Crush because they make these guys like the lamest people ever. <laughs> the songs are all, I'm cooler than you. You want to fuck my girlfriend? Look at my face or something to that effect. Yes, verbatim. I'm not even exaggerating the structure of those lyrics. Like, I'm not like the lyrics are saying these things. I'm saying the lyrics are these words. I'm not even saying like it's funny because it's bad. I genuinely think this is an active joke in the movie because of the way they're presented. Um... I hope so. <laughs> well, it's kind of like, because they're supposed to be very popular. And it's this thing where like, once you get to a certain success or popularity or whatever, say you're a famous person, suddenly all your songs are about, look at how rich I am, look at how pretty I am, you want to fuck my boyfriend, girlfriend, whoever. And it's just that applied to a really obnoxious high schooler who thinks they're the shit. And you see how like ridiculous this kind of performance is and this attitude and how that no longer has any substance. I mean, the main guy at one point wears merch of himself. <laughs> merch is being too generous. It's a t-shirt with his face on it. Yes. But yeah, it's a direct translation of that kind of culture and it's just very funny to me it, it is funny and it is absurd that they are emulating the behavior of actual celebrities when they are high school kids who are popular in their high school yeah. <laughs> so here we also get to know more about mo and her boyfriend and how their relationship works and i feel so bad for mo because he treats her so poorly he like belittles her interests and here basically Mo finally tells him that she is part of the band that is supposed to be performing at the Halloween bash which the boyfriend takes issue with because they were supposed to get the whole set at the Halloween bash and now they have to split it and he says some really disparaging stuff about her and her band and he's just such a douche <laughs> the hair doesn't help Maybe the hair causes the douchery. He's like trying to be nice. He's like, I support you. But his hair is making him say, you suck. <laughs> it's like ratatouille. <laughs> yeah. I was pleasantly surprised that Mo told him right off the bat that she's in the band. That's taking away half his performing time. Because I was expecting it to be a secret or something. And then she has to keep hiding it from him. And then there's a horrible reveal where he finds out. But I thought it was actually really mature of her to communicate that right away. And the way he reacted definitely shows how immature he is at this point in the story. And he literally tells her she can play backup for him. <laughs> And I think that tells you everything you need to know. Yeah. But so 
this goes so far as to an actual confrontation at school at the cafeteria but they basically almost get into a fight until finally Stella spits or like <laughs> sprays lemonade at one of the guys and the guy calls her lemonade mouse and that's how they get the name of their band and I actually really like it me too I love this as an origin story I like the name itself lemonade mouse especially for their supposedly <laughs> this band who's very political and whatever so so I like that it's, you know, sour, it's outspoken, it's hard to digest. It's supposed to be not like a passive thing, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's not to everyone's taste either. Yeah, that's a great point. It really does a great job of capturing the spirit of the band. Like the spirit of what the band was supposed to be, what we are told it is. Yeah. <laughs> I think they even do like an okay job with it to a certain point. The end, basically. I The end kind of ruins everything, but whatever. Who cares about the end, right? But actually, something really sad happens with the lemonade and gets taken away. Or there is a threat. It is scheduled for removal and Stella takes issue with this and she storms into the front office to protest. And I will say, she comes in hot. And she always does. Like, while you can't always be nice when it comes to things like this, she is always approaching every problem in this way. And it kind of says a lot about her background because we get to know that her family seems to be super rich and privileged in a lot of ways. And I think her upbringing and the people she's around probably instill this attitude in her. And not just in a bad way, even with how much she wants to make a change. The fact that she even thinks she can is very much shaped by the fact that the people in her life so far, her family, have always been in a position that allows for that kind of power. Again, not necessarily bad, just a really interesting thread and character trait, I think. Like, it's not the way you would think that trait manifests for someone in Stella's position. I am in no way saying, like, you should be nice about it, because you shouldn't, because that's not gonna work ever. And yet, <laughs> Stella Great on my nerves. Yeah, I can definitely see that. And I agree, they all more or less seem to have some degree of privilege, some more than others. But I guess a part of it could also be the fact that if she wants to be heard in her own house, she has no choice but to yell. So I'm assuming it has become kind of a habit for her where she thinks that no one will listen unless she's loud. That's a great point. But the machine is actually taken away because of the deal that the school has with the sports drink company. And it's another facet of this whole, you know, gentrification <laughs> and, you know, move towards homogeneity and this is a big threat in the movie and it is what they're actively fighting against you can really see how the principal's greed is seeping into every aspect of the school because it's not just like they're providing these drinks with the company they have a partnership with it's not just that the athletes are getting special treatment it's affecting everybody because they can't even have a lemonade machine <laughs> because it clashes with the principal's personal interests one of the way this manifests, I think, is the look of the school. Yeah, it looks quite stark. And one thing I noticed is that they have all these posters in the background that are all blue. Like every single poster is 
advertising something sports related and they are all blue that is definitely not normal and i really like that subtle touch because once we see lemonade mouth starting to increase in popularity we see all these colorful posters starting to pop up everywhere so i think you're definitely onto something i don't think it's a coincidence yeah you're not allowed to be out of place you're not allowed to bring color to the hallways you're not allowed to do anything not even a person of color (laughs) i'm kidding (laughs) Some of our main characters are Asian. Okay, I have to say, I appreciate the South Asian representation, but it feels very much like a representation of a person of color from the perspective of someone who's not a person of color. Yeah, but we get to the Halloween bash and... Things look a little rocky because Olivia gets stage fright and so she's hiding out in the bathroom and she can't come out. And my thing with this is like, we already know this was a thing and they've been practicing and everything. Were they just not addressing her stage fright at all? Like they already know this. Where are they surprised? (laughs) Anyway, they do save it by giving her lemonade. Question mark, question mark, question mark. (laughs) And this is why I'm like, this should be magic lemonade. They should really hone in on like the way it like invigorates her or whatever. Because it's just, she just drinks it and it's like refreshing. And she's like, (laughs) all right, let's do it. And it's like, I understand that the lemonade stands for something, but I don't know. I found it funny and weird, but in a way that I hate. (laughs) So this is the point where I'm like, okay, they should have played around more with the magical realism of the lemonade if they were going to have this moment. Yeah, I agree. To me, I guess the lemonade is a reminder of where they started and the fact that they're in this together and she's not alone because this is something they share between them and it's just theirs. So I can kind of draw a link there but I think it's not strong enough (laughs) like yeah we've already seen the lemonade be there in key moments but I think their reason for starting the band needed to be clearer (laughs) yeah that's true because then if you're giving someone or if you're giving Olivia the lemonade as a reminder of hey this is why we're in this this is why we're bothering then it would be a little bit more realistic that she can overcome her fear for something that matters to her more but the whole origins of the band are so nebulous and it also feels very one-sided and it feels like it's most important to Stella (laughs) and she's trying to drag them all in but I don't think they share a mutual purpose the way they do the lemonade so that's why I think the connection is not very strong. I agree with you. I was also always under the impression that it's Stella who really wants it and she's dragging everyone along but I never thought about how that makes for a really weak story (laughs) at least in the sense of like you know the key moments where they have to rally together and be like okay let's do this but like why would any of the other ones want to do this Yeah, that is what we're missing is why are you doing it? And each of them have things they want to escape in their lives. Yeah, but like how does this play into that? Like, you know, I think just thinking of it at a surface level, I can already come up with a reason for some of the characters because for Charlie, for example, it's an escape from the life that his parents are trying to impose on him. They think he's at football practice every week while he's practicing for the band. And so even if initially he's not that invested, he's like, 
like, fine, I like drumming and this is a way for me to escape what they're trying to force on me. So even something like that, but we don't get this level of detail. And I think in a way, the writers were maybe being too ambitious when they decided to write five main characters because that means we have less time devoted to each of them, to exploring their motivations and their character development. And I think that's a big reason why so much of the character development feels either rushed or superficial or incomplete. Yeah, I agree with you. It acts as if the kids all are really, really, really invested in this band, but they never show us why. It only manifests in like when they have certain successes and they're very excited. And like, obviously they would be excited (laughs) for the successes, but like when bad things happen, give us a reason as to why they still want to be in this band. Exactly. And because it all happens in such a short time span, I think it's even more unrealistic that they would stick it out because all of these horrible things are happening. And if I were one of them, I think some of it might be enough for me to call it quits. Like if I have a black eye and I can't see what I'm playing, like I'm I'm not performing. <laughs> I'm not invested enough in this band to open myself up to humiliation like that. That is a different issue. That's a weird, I still, I well, get there (laughs) yeah but I also mean like it is interesting because they all start off from a very individualistic perspective as is realistic because they don't know each other they have no reason to form a team and depend on each other so it makes sense that the minute something challenging happens they would prioritize their own interests but that never really happens they always rally around the lemonade machine somehow see I feel like there are like crumbs of a narrative that they half pursue and like all the building blocks are there because they established that the lemonade is like a badge of pride for everyone in the underground and it's something that all the underground kids string and it becomes the symbol for being in the underground and we get this narrative of the school being an oppressive force and we established that all of the kids do want to fight back so it would make sense that like the one thing they do have in common is wanting to fight against the principal and his oppression and later on as we get into the performance we learn that they've constructed this whole number around speaking up and blah 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 so we are to believe that before this they've had this whole conversation about like you know what we can do at this halloween bash we can use our voices for something we can fight against this oppression and blah 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 right so that means they've decided that this is what the band is moving towards instead of just like a passive thing you know what i'm saying they do have like some kind of political goal in mind and that means that when olivia is given the lemonade she is being reminded of that goal she's being reminded of the underground and she's like no olivia we have to get out there because we have this whole plan don't you want to like show brennigan who is the principal and yada 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 but they like do this thing but they don't show us this they don't tell us that they've had this plan or anything. So we only find out when they start the song. And I think that does a disservice to the story because that would have been the reason why they suddenly want to be in this band and why they are fighting so much to stay in it and perform and blah, 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 because they have an end goal in mind. And why Olivia is convinced by the lemonade because the lemonade represents the underground and that's what she's fighting for. So I think like, that's there except it's as if it's like a background thing but it's like no (laughs) that should be your main plot the only explanation i can come up with for them 
not showing us this before it happens is that they wanted to surprise the audience and it doesn't work because there are some things we need to know <laughs> and this seems like a fundamental building block in the development of these characters I feel like they could have kept the surprise by still establishing that they have this goal and then not telling us like how they're going to get there. Maybe they're like, oh, we should think about the, you know, our performance. And they're like, you know, it would be really fun to say something that matters and then not explicitly say like what it is. And so building up to it, we know that we're waiting for something. And even though we don't know what that is, when Olivia is having trouble, we're like, no, she has to because th there was a thing that they wanted to do. What is it? Yeah, that raises the stakes as well. Yeah. The actual performance, they sing a song called Determinate. Ugh. Which Olivia and Wen had written a while back. Yeah. And you hate it. <laughs> I don't hate the song. I have an issue with the word Determinate because they treat it like it's a real word when it's not. They could have just made it clear that they made up the word on purpose instead of acting like it's a real word. <laughs> she was like, that's not what that means. I think it was something like that. But that implies the word has another meaning. But it doesn't! It's a made-up word. And I think they could have very easily tied this to the whole theme of thinking outside the box and not abiding by the rules because they are not abiding by language rules. <laughs> <laughs> she could have been like, that doesn't mean anything, but maybe we can make it mean something. That would be a better line, yeah. But yeah, they sing the song and then everyone seems to love it. And then they sing another one called, I guess it's called Be Heard, but it's this like rallying cry and a few things. I don't know that I like this song, but I mean like, okay, obviously the songs are written by like actual writers, but like in the narrative, I think it says something that kids are able to write songs that are immediately like recognizable and functions the way that they want to. So I really like how the song makes sense for what they are trying to do. That's a good point. They also, during this performance, start passing out the lemonades. And a few things. I'm like, okay, you know it's going to be removed. I would have been hoarding that shit. <laughs> Why are you getting it away? Two, I really like this as a visual manifestation of their cause spreading and growing and they're recruiting people to their cause and as their message spreads, so does the lemonade. And I think, again... If they had just played up the magical realism, like half the lemonade glow a little bit more and you can see in the crowd how the glow like spreads throughout the Ooh, crowd. Nice. But either way, I really like this. They literally just pull up like duffel bags of the thing and start handing it out. <laughs> and then they get cut off because the principal pulls the plug literally on their performance. <laughs> yeah. You know, I really like what you said about the lemonades glowing because then it would have been like those glow sticks you get in concerts. And then even if he pulls the plug, it doesn't matter because they've got the glowy lemonade lighting up the room <laughs> even if they pull the plug on the people who started the movement it doesn't matter because it has spread to the people it carries on yeah and it carries on and they've got this unbeatable like light i agree that's great and it identifies like you see this crowd you think like you've pushed away all the people that you don't want but little do you know like we're still here like you can see in the crowd literally how many people deep down are also part of the underground i will say <laughs> The principal pulling the plug is such a bad move because like that would only cement the kids' <laughs> notoriety more, don't you think? 
we can see the band's lasting impression in the aftermath of the concert because even though the principal disbands them, somehow he has the authority to do that. He <laughs> forbids them from performing with the threat of suspension. Despite that, we see these posters pop up everywhere and all the students are now fans of Lemonade Mouth. And there's this giant banner that someone put up and the janitor's trying to take it down, but he is putting in 0% effort. <laughs> He's just poking it. Almost looks like he's trying to make it stay in place. Yeah. But yeah, they even go so far as to sell CDs. They get a good review in the school paper and things are going well. They actually get gigs at the pizza place that they always go to and all the kids seem to go to. And just when things are going well, Olivia's cat dies. She's very sad and the friends go to her place to console her. And she lives with her grandmother and the cat was the last she had of her mom who passed a while back and she gets some comfort from her friends kind of yeah the friends share their angst and then olivia just kind of trumps them all with the my dad's in jail card yeah see whenever they are together i feel like they're not great at being good friends to each other <laughs> I always feel like they're talking at each other but not really listening to what the other person is saying. They're always responding in ways that put them in the center instead of actively listening and responding to what the other person is saying. And I understand that they all have some pretty huge issues that they don't necessarily know how to solve. For example, when Stella tells them that she feels dumb around the rest of her family and she feels like she doesn't belong, you don't necessarily know how to solve these problems. But the least you can do is listen and validate their concerns. But they don't ever really do that because it always seems like they're trying to outshine each other with their respective traumas. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. I think it's actually a failure in the writing because they choose this moment to show character traits by having the characters say what their traits are or what their problems are etc instead of having the characters actually say what their problem is and who they are they should be showing it by having the characters show up for their friends like you should be getting to know who these characters are and their strengths and weaknesses in the way that they are supporting their friends it just feels to me like very clunky writing. Again, I think it's the lack of space because they kind of get close to how it could be when later Olivia and Wen have a conversation between themselves. Because Wen is complaining about his family and Olivia, on the other hand, doesn't really have a family to speak of. So it's like they balance each other out in an interesting way. And I think that provides an opportunity for Olivia to give Wen advice that also reveals how she feels about the whole thing and about her family situation without her having to specifically lay everything out necessarily. It doesn't have to be each of them taking turns laying out exactly what their problems are, which is what this particular scene is. I actually don't hate this scene. Like, I think it's fine, but it's like, it could have been better. Yeah, just rearranging the parts a little maybe could have already made it a lot better because say Olivia wants to be distracted and she asks someone a question. Yeah. The part that I actually do dislike in this scene, though, is the actual transition into music. I think this is the most clunky one of all of them. And even though we do get a swimming pool montage after, <laughs> it doesn't make up for it. Wow, that says a lot because we like a good montage. 
on the podcast. Yeah. I know this is not what the movie's saying, but it's almost like they can only communicate somewhat meaningfully when it's through music. And this feels like a wasted opportunity that they use so much of this time for the song when they could have had an actual conversation. And for once, music is not the uniting force. Lemonade is not the uniting force. It's just them getting to know each other and forming a separate basis for their friendship that is not rooted in a bigger cause or in fighting authority or in music or whatever. It's just them getting to know each other as people. So I think that would have had a bit more emotional weight. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And I think that's why I straight up hate the song. <laughs> it's also very surface level. It doesn't reveal anything to us. I don't know. I don't. So many things are happening here. <laughs> the fact that they are performing for the camera and the fact that the song is like the most bland, super official, generic, we will always be more than a band song. That's the thing. They aren't more than a band right now. They would be if they had any sort of meaningful development. It's interesting because it's like the opposite of how it usually is. You make friends and then you decide to form a band. Here they were thrown together in this situation where they formed a band and then they become friends. But we never really see the friends part. And you know, actually, now that I'm talking about it i was thinking it might have been interesting if they had almost formed the band unwillingly like it's almost out of their control because you were mentioning how the lemonade could have been kind of like a magical force bringing them all together and another thing i thought was interesting is whenever they go to the underground they have to take the specific elevator that goes to the underground only. It doesn't go anywhere else. And every time I see that sign that says to underground only, it's almost like there's nowhere else they could have ended up. It's out of their hands. And also the final thing that propels them to set it all up is they toss a coin and they leave it all up to fate. And so all these forces, it seems like, are combining to put them in this situation. So I think it might have been interesting if they had leaned more into that. Like what happens when the situation throws you into this place with other people that you don't know and suddenly you're at the height of popularity when before you didn't even have any friends like how do you reckon with that i feel like we never really see the characters deal with the consequences because apart from them facing off against authority the fame part of it is pretty much easygoing there are really no challenges in their way and i think it would have been interesting if we had seen them struggle a bit more with working together and not just like musically just having to be with these strangers essentially that's a good point i love the elevator thing because it is like representative of the bigger like theme of the movie but we get the scene between mo and her boyfriend and they've broken up because mo saw him flirting with somebody else and i like that here mo stands up for herself and i really like that the conversation that they have is about the root of the problem to any relationship they may start again instead of just solving the catalyst of their last breakup. Because the real issue of the relationship before this is obviously that he wasn't treating her well. He didn't respect her or take her interests seriously. So it just was nice to see Mo understand that. Yeah. But more importantly, articulate that and stick to her convictions. Her journey is finding her confidence and growing more self-assured, I think. And it's portrayed in a really solid and genuine way where it's not just about how she's presenting herself or talking to more people or whatever, but also about finding her own worth and being able to express that properly to the actual people in her life 
life that she cares about. And that internal character growth is really apparent and I really enjoyed that. And this is the moment where I realized that she has the most complete character arc and the strongest one. Also, I realized this a little earlier, but the journey of gaining confidence is actually Mo's and not Olivia's. And now that I think about it, I guess maybe Mo should have been the frontman. Because I said that Olivia is the frontman because it plays into her journey, her character arc. And now I'm realizing that it doesn't. Yeah, that's a really great point. And to add on to it, I also like that Mo not only acknowledges the reasons why their relationship wouldn't work because of what the boyfriend has done, but also internal reasons why their relationship wouldn't be successful. And it's because she had to pretend about who she really is. She acknowledged that she was always hiding when she was with him. And yeah, I think this really helps her come off as a self-aware person who is actively working on bettering themselves. And yeah, as such, I think she does seem like one of the more developed characters, definitely. But they're still on this upward trajectory. They even get radio play. <laughs> and I actually really like the scene where Sydney gets so excited and calls them over and, and then they celebrate together. I really like Sydney as a character, how... Like, she's trying so hard, and she's so pleasant. And she's very much aware of, like, how Wen feels about her. And it's nice that she doesn't push his boundaries. But yeah, I think they could have very easily fallen into that trap of portraying more stereotypical relationships between the kid and the stepmom-to-be. <laughs> but in the limited amount of time that we see Sydney, I think they did a good job with her character. But just when things were going well, they start to go downhill. They have trouble performing at the pizza place, and it's because they're getting sick and this is a thing that keeps happening but I'm like I don't know why you guys are performing when you're sick like it's not that big a deal just like cancel it's also like you can't perform isn't it worse to have a bad performance than it is to just call in sick it's mind-boggling to me yeah when it comes to the pizza place performance I definitely agree it's not like they would have gotten fired if they had taken the day off but they do get fired because of all the antics that ensue with the mudslide guy heckling them and so because of all that they actually do get fired <laughs> sounds worse than taking a sick day in my opinion and then charlie confesses his crush on mo she straight up just tells them they're just friends it's so clunky this dialogue yeah i feel like that's a recurring thing in this movie but things just get worse and worse because when hurts his eye and then Mo gets really sick and then Charlie hurts his fingers and then Olivia fully loses her voice. I love how all these violent things are happening and then Stella is just there. <laughs> peacefully protesting but we get this scene between olivia and Wen. Wen is telling olivia about the upcoming wedding and how his dad asked him to be best man <laughs> i really like the part where he's like he shows her his black eye yeah. and he's like it's because of sydney and she was like oh she did that to you and Wen is like no see this is a really good example of a joke that works. This is funny and the timing was great and Olivia's reaction was hilarious. They tried to do a similar thing earlier on when everyone was mad at them for taking away mudslide whatever's set. And so someone left a threatening note about back off from the bash and Olivia comes in with the note, doesn't show it and just says, back off the bash and everyone's obviously confused until she shows the note but it's like the setup did not work there yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it 
was so weird. She had no reason to do that. But here it's so much more natural and it comes off as really funny. Yeah. It's also really telling of where they're both coming from. Like what would be the first interpretation you would get from that? <laughs> it's like his first inclination to complain about Sydney and she takes it for what it is. It was funny. Yeah. <laughs> But I think this goes for the rest of the scene. They're both coming from really different places. And you can see in the way they approach this problem and the way they see it. And I think it makes sense for both of their characters. Definitely, it does. And I do understand Olivia's point. I just wish that she had been more sympathetic to Wen. Because she yells at him. <laughs> and it kind of invalidates his feelings and it's that sentiment of there's always someone out there who has it worse than you and that is true but it doesn't mean that his struggles are any less valid and it doesn't mean that sometimes he can't be allowed to just wallow we all want to wallow sometimes and that's what friends are for you can vent to them and wallow to them and they don't judge you or yell at you <laughs> she could have more gently told him like hey i understand this must be really tough for you but hey look at me you know it could be worse try to understand that would have been in my opinion a lot nicer and a moment for them to understand each other a little better i am on olivia's side <laughs> <laughs> at this point when has repeatedly complained about Sydney over and over and over. We've only seen it once that he's complained about her to them. So I'm a little bit less convinced that Olivia has been putting up with it, but has reached the last straw. <laughs> <laughs> then I could yeah. understand her yelling at him. Sometimes you gotta yell at your friends, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I guess, again, this is the whole thing with the stretch of time. Yeah. You're like, he has been complaining for four years. <laughs> But like, also, I like that he is specifically complaining about Sydney as a presence in his family. And Olivia isn't privy to the actual problem, which is his relationship with his father that is feeling this animosity. And so I feel like it makes sense. And like, I totally get where you were coming from. But this is why I liked the scene. And it also, see, this is the thing that was missing from like the other scene where they're all just confessing their struggles. What I think in this scene, when Olivia yells at him and kind of lays out like the circumstances of her life, it reveals to us the way that she feels about it and like her struggles in coming to terms with those circumstances because so far she's very quiet and it feels like she just kind of like puts up with you know her lot in life and blah 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 but here we kind of see like the anger that she has for this the resentment that she has and she's not just fine with it she's not like always nice about it like she's not like a perfect person she sees like other people's lives and she's envious and I just like that because so far that hasn't been the case we're told that Olivia is a good girl Olivia plays bridge with her grandmother Olivia is content Olivia is quiet and this outburst actually shows us what it is that she's hiding underneath all of that instead of showing us that my mom died and my dad is in jail like that's not what the scene is telling us the scene is telling us like her emotions behind all of this you're right i see the point of the yelling a bit more now because it is the first time we see her like this in that case i just wish there had been a little bit more build up maybe she's trying to explain but when doesn't understand and that's when we see her reach the end of her tether that would work it's also kind of interesting that the reason olivia loses her voice completely is because she was yelling at when i think it kind of ties into what i was saying earlier about what if they had been forced almost to make this band because then it would be like this is the first time you are centering your friendship above the needs of the band 
Yeah, that's a good point. And actually, I wish this had actually spanned further because Stella is protesting the removal of the lemonade machine and they basically get into trouble for this and they get thrown into lockup because all the kids get there and they try to help Stella. And this would have been an even bigger moment of them prioritizing friendship over the band, especially if they miss Rising Star because of this. Oh. Right? I wish they had missed Rising Star. And that's the moment where they like actually form like a solid friendship. Because even when they take away the band, the initial reason they're even in the same place doing the same thing, now they are still friends without it. Interesting. I like that a lot. And then after that, they actually actively choose to stay in the band. Yeah, and you know what? That would make me more convinced of their success because now they're not in it for personal reasons. They're in it because they agree to be a team and it would make sense that going forward they would be able to work together better and that would explain why they couldn't before either why they kept having disagreements when they were rehearsing it would also explain why this voiceover flashback thing spans this whole time because this is the real moment that the band was formed it ties in with what Stella was saying earlier as well that she didn't want to be someone anonymous in the yearbook because it comes to be that she's really important to this handful of people and that matters more than fame or notoriety or whatever and together when they have put their personal interests aside they have been able to create real change and so it ties both the I want to be someone together with I want to make a big change because when they're together they can do that i think we just fixed lemonade mouth <laughs> next up radio rubble <laughs> <laughs> they end up getting picked up by their guardians and they all get like moments of resolution mo talks to her dad i don't know how i feel about this talk it feels very much like a one and done thing whereas i feel like they should have taken a more much subtle and gradual approach it doesn't feel apt for the dynamics and the relationship that they've built between these parents and Mo. Yeah, I agree. I think the one and done thing kind of applies to almost all the resolutions we see in the scene. And if you couldn't tell, I'm hesitating to even call them resolutions because it's so surface level and it happens so suddenly. To talk about Mo first, I definitely agree. It doesn't seem realistic at all that her dad would, after years of having this one perspective, suddenly change his mind once Mo asks him once. And that too, after she has been detained for unruly behavior, which, you know, he didn't even allow her to wear makeup. So I can't even imagine what he must be thinking after this incident. I think the only one that I don't take too much of a huge issue with is Charlie's situation because I actually really like that it hints at the start of a change it's not charlie talking to his parents and his parents immediately being like oh we're sorry we compared you to your brother so much we know you're not your brother because that's exactly what happens with pretty much everybody else this is the beginning where he and his brother agree that they're gonna help each other out dealing with their parents and his brother's like hey i'm here for you and it was kind of a touching moment because throughout the movie we had also seen him being built up so much it was nice to see the human version and realize he's not like that and it was nice to 
see that he's aware of the pressures that their parents are putting on his younger brother because of his achievements. And I wish the other characters had also had similar interactions where it hints at the beginning of something. If Mo's dad is furious and refuses to listen to her and she's like, okay, just forget everything. Just come to the show just once. And we don't see whether he agrees or not, but he's listening at least. You know, just something, a hint at a change that might happen. And same with Wen and Sydney. It was so out of the blue. I mean, I understand if Olivia's words struck a chord with him, but I still find it unrealistic that after so much whining, <laughs> he would change his mind in the span of a day, of less than a day. Yeah. With Wen, I think I read it the same way you did Charlie's thing, as in like, it's like a start of something. But also there's, <laughs> what happens is like, Sydney shows up like I'm sorry I know you don't want me to be the one who picks you up but your dad's in the middle of something and he can't come and then when like hugs her for one that doesn't solve it solve it like it feels like a first step kind of thing and like you said it feels like something that tracks back to his talk with Olivia but also I'm like is there like a subtext thing where he's thinking for one his dad is disappointing him again yeah and for two like my dad isn't even here but Sydney, who, let's be honest, is the stranger, has come to pick me up and be supportive and take care of me. And like that moment really makes him think that she actually cares because they are strangers you know it's not like it's his mom and he has a problem with his mom and she's only there because she is his mom like she doesn't actually have any obligations and yet she's there when his own father won't even show up but yeah I didn't hate the when and Sydney moment I really like your interpretation of that scene but another interaction that I do have an issue with is Stella and her mom yeah I think Actually, Stella's was the only one I liked. Oh, interesting. To me, it actually feels like a breakthrough because it's not a breakthrough for her mother. It's a breakthrough for Stella. Stella this whole time feels like her family doesn't think much of her and is incapable of truly seeing her and her perspective. And in this moment, the mom actually tells her in plain English <laughs> that she does see Stella, that she likes what she sees. And articulating that is the only solution to this specific problem. And that's why I think that's a good solution for it or like the start of solution for it. And it's not like the mom is suddenly sees her. The mom has always seen her. The mom has always understood where she's coming from. It's that Stella doesn't think she does. And this is a breakthrough for Stella and she realizes that her mom has always cared and understood her. And the fact that she's different than the rest of her family doesn't actually matter to her mom the way she thinks it does. I can see that. And I do think this kind of resolution is slightly more earned than, say, the one we get between Mo and her dad. Because we do see a couple of instances of Stella and her mom interacting. And her mom does seem aware of the way Stella feels. I guess I'm just confused about what prompts her to say all of these things at this point in the story. I'm confused about the impetus to suddenly tell her daughter exactly how she feels and to say, we'll do better from now on. Because the last time we saw this family together in one frame, they were all ignoring her. <laughs> they were acting quite disparaging towards her interests. It didn't seem like they really cared about her, but all of a sudden, as she's coming out of the police station, they're there to support her 
it seemed like too far a leap for me. Maybe if it had just been the mom, that would have been more realistic. It does seem like the mom is more aware of Stella's feelings. And maybe if at the beginning of the scene, we finally see Stella opening up, maybe her mom is like, what happened? <laughs> How did you end up here? And Stella tells her everything and her mom realizes it's because she just wants to be seen. And so her mom is reassuring her, you are seen. It would have made more sense to me. Otherwise, it feels a bit out of the blue. So I actually have this problem with most of them. They're acting as if the reason for them being in jail and the being in jail itself is a revelation to the parents. Yes. But it doesn't really make sense because the getting in jail part like doesn't have anything to do with anything. They just happen to get picked up and get arrested. Yeah, it's not like their struggles with their families have been building up and led to this arrest. That's completely beside the point. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> with Mo, I think it makes more sense than with Stella. <laughs> I was gonna say, I think it makes more sense with Stella. What? <laughs> okay, explain. Because the reason they're in jail has to do with her protest and that is part of the identity that Stella has that she thinks her parents take issue with. And so that's why that's the conversation that's happening and is starting midway when her mother speaks up. But also when she shows up and sits down, the subtext there basically is, yeah, I know this is happening yet again with one of my antics. I know you can't stand this bullshit. I know you won't understand and blah, blah, blah. And then the mom says what she does. So that makes more sense to me. Like it tracks better with the protest. What doesn't make sense to me is how none of them have to face any consequences for this huge thing like would they not get in trouble with their families olivia's grandmother is so nonchalant about this it's like one day she doesn't have any friends and the next day she's getting arrested i actually really like the grandmother one she's just happy olivia's getting out of the house <laughs> I guess. Her grandma's just happy she's socializing. Yeah. So they do get to Rising Star, but they're all still very sick and injured. So they can't perform. And I also don't understand why they even try. I guess like you get like a record deal if you win, but they already know they won't win because they can't play. <laughs> <laughs> so it was so dumb to me that they would even try like this and the pizza place performance where they're sick. It bugs me to no end. It's almost like they forgot the reason they wanted to do this in the first place which was to have a voice and they do have a voice separate of rising star so they don't need to use it as a platform anymore but that being said i think even though we don't see it maybe their intention was to do something similar to halloween bash and use rising star as an even bigger platform to reach more people with their message but they can't they can't that's the thing i guess they were just set on still trying and it's not so much because of the record deal but because they have some kind of thing planned <laughs> more lemonade to pass out that's why they didn't want the machine to get taken away but yeah it's very clear they're not in any shape to be able to perform the crowd starts singing for them basically and it's this whole you know lemonade mouse this all of us moment which i like as a thematic thing because if lemonade mouth is supposed to be the voice of the people then it has to literally become the voice of the people they did it they succeeded they spread the lemonade around yeah exactly and their mission was to be heard and so i can't imagine how powerful it must feel that they literally were and now there are so many people saying those same words back to them that makes me like this <laughs> But still doesn't preclude it from being cheesy. <laughs> yeah, I think the cheese factor just takes over in this moment. I can't look at it. <laughs> so we do 
wrap up some of our threads, we get a conversation between Mo and her boyfriend. And I don't hate it because it just feels refreshing that they went this route because the boyfriend basically just keeps apologizing and it seems like he knows what he did wrong. But like, I don't think we know enough about why Mo likes him or like what him changing would look like like so far he's talked about wanting to change but we haven't seen any actual steps towards that change which i don't know that it's a con or anything it just means that i don't have any strong feelings about this resolution well we see him stepping up to play when lemonade mouth can't that's a bad example because i i was always like (laughs) you're going out there to help help with what you think one more guitar is gonna help them (laughs) sing with a sore throat i also have a problem with I guess I'll just say it now, but he ends up joining the band. Yeah, that's weird. I really dislike that. Me too. So I think that kind of taints his gesture in helping them in Rising Star because I feel like that really hurts the Mo and boyfriend storyline because I'd imagine Mo's music being solely her thing would become a big deal in their relationship because that was like such a core issue of their previous relationship. So having him be a part of the band feels antithesis to that whole thread. You're right, especially because he asked her to play backup to him in the beginning I think it would have been a nice full circle moment if he had let her shine on stage without encroaching on that space and while I still do think it's a well-intentioned gesture to play at Rising Star when the others couldn't joining the band after that ruins it completely ruins it it makes me question his intentions i'm like are you just jumping ship i mean i wouldn't want to be in a band with blonde dude either (laughs) to be fair but he could have done his own thing it feels like he's really taking over space that isn't there and making others switch around (laughs) when and olivia kind of get a moment together and he gives her a kin oh right yes very cute (laughs) and all the kids go to Wen's dad's wedding which i thought was hilarious (laughs) but mel is there from mel's lemonade and stella convinces him to pay for an auditorium for the school and this is where my heart breaks because i don't know how the ending of the principal taking money from mel's lemonade is a resolution yes doesn't that mean he's still prioritizing whatever benefits him sure the quote-unquote underdogs win but only because they have money now the principal was prioritizing sports because of the preferential treatment they get the benefits all of that just because the music kids have that now too doesn't mean the issue with the principal is resolved just that the music kids are now benefiting from this unjust system yeah You're absolutely right. This issue struck me actually way back in the movie when the music teacher is trying to convince the kids to form a band because she says the reason she's so bent on them performing at Rising Star is she says that'll show him and she says that they can prove that sports aren't the only thing that matter. But in saying that, it sounds like she's equating mattering to making money or gaining attention. And that's not what it should be. Like, the arts shouldn't be valued for the potential they have to make money or to make someone famous or make someone have influence. They have an inherent value. Even if you're not making any money or you're not gaining anything from it, it's still valuable. (laughs) And so I think this weird false equivalency they're making is there throughout the movie. And so when this happens at the end that the school is finally prioritizing the arts, it doesn't feel like the ending that this movie deserves. It rings very hollow, but it's almost like we were inevitably headed here. (laughs) 
Yeah, I never thought about what the music teacher said, meaning that, but that makes sense. Because she's not like, oh, you're so good at music, you should cultivate that talent, and that's it. She's like, join Rising Star, <laughs> and then we can prove that arts matter. Yeah. If it had been that the teacher's just praising their instinctive ear for music or whatever, and then Stella is the one who pinpoints Rising Star as a platform where they can reach more people. That would have made more sense to me. I was thinking maybe the teacher wanted someone from the arts to get some kind of accolade and have it be a reason for, I don't know, the superintendent, whoever is in charge, to give them more credit and more resources and whatnot. But then that would still be playing into the system because the thing with the sports thing isn't specifically that they're being paid by a specific corporation. The choice of sports being the sector that is getting preferential treatment is because of a larger system that is present. Like, they are more likely to win awards. They are more likely to make a school look more prestigious. And the fact that this is the case is a problem within the larger construct of the society that we live in. So, like, the sponsorship thing is just one way that it can manifest. The choice of, like, sports versus arts is very much not arbitrary. So, even if what the music teacher means is that she wants more awards so that they can petition for more resources, it still is playing into the same problematic system that constructed this conflict in the first place. Yes, exactly. I was going to point out this one shot where the principal is looking at his reflection in a cabinet full of what I assume are sports trophies. And so yeah, if the music teacher is also valuing these physical proof of what the arts can do for you, that is no better than the principal valuing sports for what it can do for him and his school. The real revelation should be that the monetary side of it shouldn't matter. You should be cultivating students' interests in either or both fields, no matter the potential for a reward. It's just upsetting to me that Stella hates this 1% bullshit, you know, this upper class one percenter bullshit. And yet once she becomes it, she's using it. Yeah, she's using it to her own advantages and she's no longer taking issue with it. It is especially a shame that Stella's playing into it. Imagine if like one of the beats of the movie is that they find Mel from Mel's Lemonade and they're like, wait, this is a great solution. What if we convince Mel to sponsor like an auditorium and blah 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 blah. blah. And then Stella's like, no, don't you get it? That's not the fucking problem, you moron. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, sure. Us music kids get it. But what about the next club? What about the chess club? What about the art club? And you know, it's not about that. And that would have been a great beat of the movie, I think. Yeah, you're right. Here, Stella's enjoying her giant new auditorium and the chess club guy still playing chess with himself. <laughs> so sad. One thing that I do like, the whole thread with Olivia and her dad. We, we do find out that this narrative framing is Olivia writing a letter to her dad in prison. And she hasn't talked to him in a long time. And this is the moment where she finally does. Maybe I just like the concept more than the execution because it's not like we get a lot of it in this movie. But I like the idea of, you know, her being so ashamed of it that she won't even like talk to her dad and then finally facing that after a long time. I think it's a nice surprise because 
we see how far she's come by the end and it's like hey this whole time <laughs> we were seeing that she's managed to overcome it or at least taken the first step so it was a nice surprise in that way although once you established that this whole time the narration was basically her writing the letter the fact that she starts it off with poets geniuses revolutionaries is very weird <laughs> i wonder if it's like midway through the letter do you think Maybe. i hope so i hope she wasn't like dear dad poets, poets. <laughs> and that's it for lemonade mouth yeah in absurd conclusion the janitor that was trying to remove the banner for Lemonade Mouse. That's actually the guy who put it up there in the first place. And that's why he was being so gentle. Yeah, he's the head of the revolution, actually. <laughs> <laughs> he's Mel! That was Mel! <laughs> he's the puppet master. Our second absurd conclusion is one we're going to assume is what happened and they just didn't show it. It's that the lemonade was magic after all. And that's how they overcame all their challenges so quickly. It was magic. <laughs> Not sure if that makes things better or worse. So what would you pair with this movie? Lemonade, Lemons. obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Lemon bars. Lemon drops. Lemon tarts. <laughs> so now that we've discussed this movie in excruciating detail, have your opinions changed? Would you recommend it? No, my opinion hasn't changed. And no, I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> While I do like that, the movie attempts to tackle a lot of interesting issues. I think it gave itself too big a challenge having a main cast this big. And as a result of that, there's no space to explore any of these issues in detail. And that leaves everything feeling so surface level that you might as well not have watched the movie to begin with. <laughs> I don't know what it is that sets this apart from movies like Radio Rebel in people's minds because <laughs> maybe it's the bangers. <laughs> Because to me, it feels very much on par with the kind of typical generic Disney movie. The only thing that sets it apart is that attempt, but I guess I'm just disappointed that nothing came of it. So you might as well just watch Radio Rebel. So yes, I recommend Radio Rebel. <laughs> no, no. I have to admit, there are some comedic moments in this movie and there are moments of potential, which I suppose is more than I can say for some other Disney movies or movies in general. So I'll give it that, but doesn't change my mind though. What about you? I still recommend this movie. I think it's fun. I think it's low stakes. Somewhere in the middle here, I found out what it is about this movie. It's like it fools you into thinking that it's something big, but it's portrayed <laughs> with such low energy that you're just comfortable the whole time. It almost stands for like movements that have been co-opted by corporations and whatever where like it's always safe it says it's a movement it says it's supposed to change things but they always play it safe and nothing ever changes and i guess the ending kind of fits well with that take but yeah my thoughts have changed i realized i guess i always like tune out by the end so I forgot the way it ended and that really upset me <laughs> but I still think it's cute it's like protests for babies <laughs> I genuinely mean that it feels like a kindergarten show for protests it's always pretty it's always safe so I think this is still a comfort watch but it definitely fails in more aspects than I had first thought I'm glad this episode could open your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> what a note to end on. I guess that's all. <laughs>
on that dismal note. <laughs> maybe if someone's listening and they want to defend this movie, maybe they turn us around. I would like some nice things to say about <laughs> Nada. So if you have any suggestions for movies we should discuss on the podcast, send them in at graveyard underscore slot on Twitter and Instagram or email us at thegraveyardslot at gmail.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review. Thank you for listening and we'll see you on the next episode of The Graveyard Slot. <laughs>